Hi, I'm Marty. I'm Dave. I'm John. I'm Aaron. And this is Door 14 Hockey. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Door 14 Hockey Podcast. I'm your host Marty alongside Dave. Hello. And John. Hello. No Aaron tonight. Aaron has family matters to attend to so um, he won't be joining us unfortunately. Um, But we send our, um, don't know what I'm trying to say there, send our regards? I I don't really know what I'm trying to say. Best wishes. Best wishes? I don't know. Um, Yeah so um, unfortunately he's not with us tonight. Send our love. That'll do. Perfect. Even better. Yeah, not as formal. Um, guys, uh, how are you doing? Um, Dave, how are you? All good, all good. Yeah, can't uh, really complain. Um, looking forward to the weekend. Yeah, um, we have a doubleheader. One of the most probably important weekends um, in the Elite Ice Hockey League, um, especially for the Belfast Giants um, and the Sheffield Steelers this coming weekend as they face off uh, in a doubleheader here in Belfast, the SSE Arena. More on that probably later on as we um, discuss uh, standings in a few minutes' time. Uh, John, how are you doing? Good. Uh, had a nice quiet weekend. Missed the Guildford weekend uh, with being back over in Scotland for uh, a quick little family catch up. But uh, no, other than that, good. Life admin and uh, work admin and everything gets in the way. But sure, love and life. That's it indeed. It does indeed. And just gets busy. Things just kind of build up and you just have to do what you have to do. Well, um, as, as you can see behind me, my life is now sort of 70% baby boxes. Um, I do see that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I, are, well, I put the jer- I put the jerseys up here to make it look like I still have a hockey life. Um, <laughs> I might in the future, but the reality is really over this side. Yeah, that's true. Um, not too much longer to go with you guys. Another what? Ten weeks? Is it so? Eleven. Or? Eleven weeks. Eleven. It'll fly in. It'll fly in, um, guys. It has been um, a busy couple, a busy two weeks since our last recording. Um, tonight's episode, we will obviously cover um, our usual. Start off with looking at the uh, standings across the elite league and in the NHL. Um, and I suppose just a precursor. We know that podcasts. Um, when you listen to a podcast or you decide to watch a YouTube video or you know whatever you decide to do in your spare time, you try to do it to kind of almost uh, avoid real life situations sometimes and kind of a, a bit of a break from from um you know what's going on in the world but obviously a couple of the stories we will be talking about in tonight's episode both Imperial 2 and Imperial 3 will obviously um be heavily influenced by what's currently going on in the world in the ukraine um so just to kind of give you a heads up on that um we will uh talk about it because it's important stories to talk about um, um and we will touch upon it in both two, period two and period three um but with that guys as i mentioned we will start off as we always do and we'll take a look at the current standings uh, across the uk start our across the world i suppose starting with the uk uh, in the premier sports elite ice hockey league uh sitting in first place um i've noticed they've now put x's uh, on the elite league uh, website for those who have advanced already to the playoffs so uh in first place is belfast giants with 41 games played and 66 points the Sheffield Steelers move into second with 40 games played and 64 points Cardiff are sitting in third with 44 games played and 59 points Nottingham are in fourth with 42 games and 44 points Coventry in fifth with 37 games and 37 points Dundee sit in sixth currently with 38 points and 37 ga- oh sorry 38 games 37 points Glasgow are in seventh with 38 games played and 36 points Guildford in 8th with 40 games played, 34 points. 
Manchester in ninth with 40 games played and 29 points and Fife in 10th with 40 games played and 26 points um Okay, bit of change there in the league, especially at the top. Um, Belfast Giants taking over a top league, top top spot, um, taking over the Sheffield Steelers this past weekend. Um, so let's get your thoughts on that first. John, we'll come to you first. Um, obviously, as Belfast Giants fans, we are delighted with this change. Um, what's what's your thoughts on this? Thought I better just change the hat. There, we're going to talk about Belfast Giants. Um, hundred percent. I mean, you you can't look better than a triple header weekend um, and walking away with six points. Um, this last weekend that that's absolutely enormous as far as the league is concerned and it puts down a marker for what is going to be an enormous weekend here in Belfast um, with two grade A games against the second place team in the league for the first time this season I think um, in the Sheffield Steelers it's certainly the first time this season that the Giants have sat top mm-hmm. Um yeah, I mean, top top of the table. The top two really are the top two. This is this is where it's going to be decided. Um, Cardiff Devils have had a couple of pretty poor results, um, similar to the Sheffield Steelers. A couple of big losses against Dundee, who are, I mean, when you look at that middle of the table, that is a team on the move. That is a team on a mission. Um, but top end is where it's at for me. Uh, I'm Belfast Giants through and through, and I don't doubt that there'll be four points at the end of this weekend coming. Let's hope so. Uh, let's hope indeed. Uh, Dave, um, let's get your thoughts on the same question. You know, um, again, we are biased, but we are Belfast Giants fans um, through and through. I mean, ha- we're happy, obviously, where we are. What do you think, you know, over, the, over obviously, we're coming into the a very tough bunch of games now coming up over the next few weeks. We've got Sheffield doubleheader and Nottingham doubleheader, followed by another Sheffield doubleheader. Uh, you know, we've got loads of games. We've got a lot of tough games coming up. Uh, what's your thoughts? Um, the big thing definitely has to be the fact now it's no longer worrying about other teams and other um, scores. It's all in the Giants' control. Um, it's up that they can they can do it now. They don't need to worry about other results going their way. If they focus on their games um, and win the games they can, they can put it to bed. Um, they don't need to worry about Sheffield tripping up or anything. They've already got... Um, the right level of games in hand, um, the right level of games structured to get them through to the end. Um, again, same as John, um, the the big, big shocker, we'll say shocker, I don't think it's too much of a shock because seeing them play in, in Dundee, they are uh, definitely a team that can win um, and they have done a phenomenal job over the last few weeks um, taking points from, from every everybody. Um and I, I think that you're going to see them continue to move. I think they're the one to watch going into the playoffs. Yeah, yeah, no, and it's a good point. Yeah, it is. Um, I think from my, from my point of view, I think um, you're right. There's been the, those those underdog teams, or shall we say, underdogs in in for cons, but they are for those underdog teams to take these points and these big points out of um, teams moving forward. I mean, you know, it's it's tough. I suppose some argument that some some fans in the Sheffield camp are are arguing that. Um, that there's been a bit of a slump since the um you know obviously that 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 the defeat um against the Cardiff Devils in the in the Challenge Cup semi final um and some of the fans were well some of the fans came out and were like oh sky's falling sky's falling and stuff but you know and a lot of them have echoed similar 
thoughts after this past weekend you know only pulling two points out of a four point weekend i mean two points out of a four point weekend you know on a normal weekend would be fine but obviously coming to this tail end of the season all these points are important i mean moving forward we need to make sure that you know each game we take and each, each we can't afford to have a slip up um i suppose moving in towards well, you, the, this tail end that, you say about a, a two point out of four weekend being not too bad the problem is that's when you've got fans in sheffield looking at results in bell for belfast six from six yeah i mean that, that is a disaster for them well that's what i'm saying in, in a normal situation at a normal at an earlier point in the season you know taking two points of a four point weekend would be acceptable that's what i'm saying we're at a point now though where what i'm trying to what i was trying to allude to, to was that we're at a point in the season now where a two point weekend out of a four point possible weekend is not acceptable because if you're especially if you're fighting for the if you're fighting for the championship where they are where they are you know and you're within points you know, you, it's it's every every point you can get is is valuable. Hence the reason the fact that they were able to get they were able to pull one point from each of those two games. You know, obviously going into overtime, it was lucky to go into the, that overtime section to get to at least grab those one points in each of those games because, you know, it was looking doubtful at one point. Um, especially on that, I think it was the Saturday game. It was looking doubtful they were even going to get into the the they were even going to pull the overtime. But here, Listen, that's where we are. Even even you look at that and you look at what we've got ahead. We've only a few weeks left of league action to go. Just taking the Belfast Giants, for example, 13 league games left. Mm-hmm. Um, five of those are against Sheffield. Yep. So Dave's 100% right. The results, as far as they go now, it's all in the Giants' hands. Yep. In much the same way, it's all in the Sheffield Steelers' hands as well. It's the team oh, well, that can fight yep. for them and the team that finds the results is going to walk away with this league trophy. Yeah. And, and the thing that uh, surprises me, when you look at the stats for the league as well, the goals for and goals against... It's like, how have the Giants not been top of the league before now? Um, when you see that difference, when you compare it to Sheffield, the next biggest, you're sitting there with um, 167 goals for the mm-hmm. Giants and only 77 goals against. And the goals against the Sheffield are 103. It's a big, big jump. Um, and, you know, that's showing, that's th- full team stats there. You know, that's, your uh, goals for obviously your entire uh, entire team scoring, and then your your defense is your team defense, and through to your netminders, you know. So um, they are um, amazing stats when you break it down, and you, there's it's not like there's a a thread because as soon as there's a big jump there, 70, uh, 77 to one hundred and three, that's a hefty jump for goals against. Yeah, one hundred percent, guys. Just before we move on, I will let's just talk. Let's just focus on the other parts of the league. Um, not to forget any, not to forget any of the other teams. Obviously, we're looking at the battle that's going on at the top. Um, but just so much, that just even you know, even with that, there's a battle going on at the bottom too. You know, obviously to try and keep in form for the for those playoff spots. I mean, at the moment, Guildford look like they have a they have a comfortable lead in there against the Manchester Storm in the eighth and ninth. Um, do we see much changing in that point uh, moving towards the end of the season? As John, as you said, there's about 13, 12 to 13 games left maximum of the season. You know, do we see much happening there between Guildford and Manchester? You know, do you think, are we seeing the, are we seeing the league standings as they kind of going to be in terms of that bottom part? I think it's tough to see anything changing in those um, bottom two. Um, I think really unfortunately, unless Manchester find form out of nowhere, um, I, I don't know what Manchester's running looks like, um, but really they'd be in a position that they they need to be playing Guildford as many times as possible um, if they're really looking to, to take that eighth spot. Um, Glasgow are a team uh, like Dundee who have started to find form 
uh, all of a sudden now take uh, the most recent result for um, Glasgow, which I believe was an absolute drubbing for them in Coventry. Take that to one side. They have been finding wins. They've been finding dirty wins. They've also been finding good wins, good healthy looking mm. wins as well. Uh, coming into playoffs, I mean that it's no better time for them to be hitting their stride than now for a team that started the season late um, and we thought we were going to get to this point that we're still going to have 10 or 15 games left to play um, above the rest of the league um, let alone everything else but they seem to have caught up fairly well um, Covid disruptions with the extra week being added on to the season hasn't really affected them too badly um, if anything it's probably started to hit the likes of the Giants more we've got a couple of three and three or three and four um weekends uh we've got another one coming up this weekend um i think it's three and three this weekend we've got sheffield at home twice and then we're straight over to dundee um for a game and then the following week with the addition of the challenge cup final which we're going to talk about later uh it's another three game uh weekend so mm-hmm. there's there's a good run in coming but those bottom teams um they don't have those extra games to play that we do um, and the scheduling is looking like it's working in their favour. Yeah, I mean, just to answer your question, John, um, they do play Guildford twice, but they do have uh, Manchester do play uh, Sheffield Steelers four games in a row, uh, a Sunday, Wednesday, Sunday, Wednesday. So it's four games in a row with Sheffield Steelers. So uh, that'll be a tough one. That's an interesting one. The yep. spot on the table might be more interesting than I gave it credit for. Yep. We will be watching those anyway, with I'm sure with great interest. Um, guys, are we happy enough to... Like, you sounded like Palpatine at the end of episode one there. <laughs> <laughs> we will watch your career with uh, much interest. Oh, the geeks on us. There's um, a whole element of people listening to us who have no idea what I just spoke about. I, 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 yeah, I would say so. Um, guys, are we happy enough to move on from the standings and move across the pond? Great. Uh, we'll switch across then and look at the NHL standings as they currently are. Um, we take a look at the wildcard spot standings rather than the full uh, division or conference standings. So starting over in the Eastern Conference and Metropolitan Division, uh, Carolina still sit top with 56 games played and 83 points. New York Rangers are in second with 57 games played and 77 points. And Pittsburgh in third with 58 games played and 77 points. In the Atlantic Division then, Florida sit top still with 57 games played and 83 points. Tampa are pulling back into contention on taking over that lead by uh, 56 games played and 80 points and Toronto then continue form in third place with 57 games played and 78 points wildcard spots for the Eastern Conference then currently held by Boston and Washington uh, switching our attention over then to the western side of the country and looking at the central division Colorado sit top still with 58 games played and 87 points followed by St. Louis with 56 games played to 71 points and Minnesota still holding third spot there with 55 games played and 69 points uh, <laughs> Pacific, <laughs> in the Pacific Division uh, then Calgary sit top with 56 games played 75 points Los, uh, LA have moved in, are in second still with 58 games played and 71 points and Vegas sit in third with 58 games played and 68 points wild card spots held by Nashville and Dallas um, guys before we talk about obviously our teams our individual teams that we follow um, just obviously looking at the the the, the, the divisions I suppose um, you know looking at those 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 different divisions and stuff themselves I mean in the last two weeks not no real change at all for any of these divisions I mean they're still sitting you know this top three are still the top three you know they haven't moved um, the wildcard spots maybe have changed around slightly in some ways um, but I mean you know it's it's quite you know it's it's quite a strong statement whenever those three spots haven't really changed over the last couple of weeks 
John? Totally. Um, oh, the thing... Sorry, go ahead. Sorry. Uh, totally, yeah. The thing that... Um, hopefully that is the sign of uh, what's to come, you know, if they're starting to settle in for everyone's run down to the playoffs. Um, I, obviously, I would like it to continue that way. Wild came out of a bit of a rubbish run, but uh, yeah, I think hopefully that's the... Hopefully that's what we end up with as we go through the weeks. Now I know there's a huge amount to change possible, but there seems to be in both sides a bit of a drop after the current wildcard spots. There's a bit of a change up in the the teams, less so in the western. Mm. Um, there's like a big jump in the um, the eastern. There's like a massive drop um, after Washington. Um, whenever you look at the, the the sort of full rundown of the stats and points, you know there's like a big cliff. Definitely, off, um, which probably means that they're probably going to be the same. Um, the the Western, not so much, but there is a similar thing happening. But after, like further back down, um, around the sort of fifth, fifth, sixth um, in the wild card, um, they're starting to see the points drop off, um, and hopefully that will mean that the we'll see our guy, all our teams, uh, make it through. Uh, it's as if you were it's as if you were uh, reading my notes that I had down because uh, one of the comments I was going to say was um, if you did notice the wild card spots there in the um, you know in in the uh, Eastern Conference you know and or sorry the Eastern um, yeah yeah. I, I always get this wrong. Um, the Eastern Conference, yeah, sorry. Um, yeah, if you did look at that, as you say, Dave, there's a massive cliff mm-hmm. where between the first and second and drops into third. And there's like a, like, I mean, it's, 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 it's a, it's a, it's a, I mean, a massive jump. Is it like something like maybe 13 points? Uh, 13 points, yeah. I mean, that's, that's a massive difference. Um, John, let's go to you then. Um, you know, obviously, uh, you've got your team sitting, uh, Predators sitting in, uh, first wildcard spot. Um, you know how how do you feel progressing wise? Um, hold on to that spot. Do you think you're going to progress up and take over Minnesota and, and move them down, or what's the what do you think? Well, this is the this is the thing. Like Dave said, there are, we've said there hasn't been a lot of change across the wild cards, and this is the one place that there has been um, with the Preds and the uh, the Wild. I think really changing those positions quite regularly. Um, not helped by um, the Predators' run of form recently. We. We seem to go two wins, then we go between two and four losses, uh, which isn't brilliant. But then we'll we'll take a we'll take a loss against the Kraken, for example, <laughs> a, a team feeding at the bottom just above Arizona this season. But then we'll come back against San Jose with an eight nil shutout win away from home, which is I mean, where are we pulling that from? Where where are we pulling an eight nil win away in the Shark Tank from? I mean, that's that's wild. Um, well, it's not wild. It's it's Preds, um, but if we can continue on, uh, the risk is, as Dave said, because there isn't that cliff edge on the wild cards, we might be able to scrape through in the the confirmed slots in those first three slots. Equally, we might only just make it, and we might not make it in the end at all. Like we've seen teams go off the end uh, towards the the last run. We're into I think regular season. Are we into the last four weeks? Mm-hmm. Uh, of regular season so you're talking every team probably has something like 15 to 20 games left um so you just don't know especially over in the west in the east at least you've got the the benefit marty of knowing that the the leafs are gonna have to probably cease trading as an organization not to make playoffs this year Uh, exactly your big your big risk is that uh well maybe not a risk this year is uh where do you meet boston 
Boston's always always seems to be. Um, I've always said this every single year is that when we come to the playoffs, when if we come up against Boston, like it's always seems to be our, our the real thorn in our sides. You know, they always seem to just take it um, from us either in the last game or at least you know in the last two games anyway. So yeah, it's um it's a tough one. We're hoping, as you say, um we do tend we do seem to be sitting at a really good point. Um and with with we've talked about that cliff thing, you know, even if we did drop down a bit and someone took and um, Boston took our the position that the, the Toronto were in. Um, I like to think that we're comfortably, as you say, into that playoff um, spot. But yeah, um, I don't know what would have to happen in order for that to, to change at this point. To, to not hit playoffs, but you're going to have to drop something like 15 points. Yeah, and you can't. Columbus I, and Detroit, that's yeah, not happening. It's not happening. No, it's not happening at all. Fingers crossed. Um, I said <laughs> it, so therefore it might. Uh, Dave, um, before we move on, uh, let's get your thoughts finally before we move on. Obviously, yeah. Wild. Wild, uh, they had an awful run. Over the last 10 games, they've seven losses, which hasn't been nice. But the, again, similar story to, to John, lost a few games. I think Edmonton we lost to, and uh, obviously Calgary's on form, so we don't really mind that loss. But then we bounced straight back with a win in New York, you know, so um, beating, the, um, uh, beating the Rangers, um, who are probably one of the on-form teams uh, in the league. You know, they have had... Uh, in their ten is like a uh, their last ten is almost like a reverse order of the wilds. They've had like six wins um, uh, and three and three and one, so they're you know performing pretty well. Um, but the wild seem to be struggling to find consistency. Um, can definitely still find the wins, but it's that trying to find consecutive wins. Um, ever since the All Star break, they have struggled to get back into that form um, that they had just before. Uh, Hopefully it's the uh, the lull before the playoffs, in which case we might see a bit of a bounce back if we get through to the first rounds, um, and that might be a change of fate, um, but we'll see. We'll see indeed. Uh, as John said, there's not that many weeks left of uh, regular season play. Um, I did see today that the NHL, um, it's not actually in our running order, it's not really, it wasn't really a big story or anything, um, but I did, I did see today that the NHL... Um, uh, released a what are, what they call a rebrand of the, the Stanley, Stanley Cup, Cup. Um, and I did see it today. It was the first images of the rebrand um, were shown today. Um, so obviously the fact that they're they're doing that and getting those out and showing those around, obviously you can see how close we are now to uh, Lord Stanley's Cup. Um, so yep, we will wait and see. Um, with that, that takes us to the end of our, our, our pre-game, shall we say? Um, and with that, what we'll do is we'll just get stuck straight into our period one of hockey. Okay, uh, period one is a roundup of uh, hockey news from around the UK. Um, we will look at um, two, we've got a couple of stories in this period. Um, a couple of stories that have been, I suppose, a lot of talk, a lot of social media um, feedback from fans, a lot of social media, I suppose, um, engagement with fans in relation to some of these stories. Um, but let's start with the first one. Um, obviously, since our last recording, um, the and this is a well-known story that's obviously came out from that. Um, this was from the weekend, first weekend of March, or first, last weekend of February, first start of March. Um, the Coventry Blaze coach, Danny Stewart, um, was banned by the Elite Ice Hockey League uh, after an outburst in Sheffield Steel and a Sheffield Steelers clash. Um, Danny Stewart was suspended for one game and fined following abusive incidents uh, at Sheffield Arena last Sunday. Uh, or sorry, the Sunday, Sunday the what would it have been? It was the second, third. 
28th was it so i'm trying to work out what date that was i should have had the date down anyway um the elite league uh disciplinary committee did dole out the punishment after it investigated um an investigation that was sparked because of a, a video that was shown um of the steelers assistant um clashing with the coach carter best and wild um in the players tunnel um and then also then following that there was also comments made and a video that surfaced showing um co- uh hand gesture that uh, Danny Stewart had made uh, towards um, the players bench as well on the same night um, this caused a lot of chat I suppose on, on social media a lot of fans were um, I suppose I suppose up in arms about what had actually happened and, and the, the I suppose the 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 sign and the sim- the sign that he made and stuff towards the the bench and people felt it was very offensive in terms of um you know insulting to people with mental health um and a number of different issues around that um guys some interesting things from this and I think um John you'd you'd pointed this out and maybe you can pull up, you can pull up on this one um in terms of what we've seen in terms of this this ban it was an interesting one because when the ban came out he the, the, it wasn't actually the next game that he got banned for. Um, if I, isn't that correct? He played the, the next game. He he was on the co- he was on the bench. It was actually the game after the next game, which really shouldn't have happened. Yeah, well, I mean, we say it shouldn't have happened. This is this is obviously a decision outside of DOPS. This is um, hockey ops. This is EIHL hockey ops have made the the call um, to to suspend uh, the coach for a game because of behaviour. Uh, during the game and down the tunnel, um, to me, it's a. F- I can kind of accept why they've done what they've done on reflection, since we we talked about this the first time. Uh, but again, if a player did something, you would expect them to take the ban that the next day or whatever. Like as long as the team are given a heads up, I don't really understand why Danny Stewart couldn't have served his ban or his bench uh, suspension the following game uh, I accept that um, the league have said that it's not fair for the team to expect to play without their coach Danny's not the only coach on that team um, there's assistant coaches there there's uh, player assistant coaches the same way that there is in every team um, if it was through a completely different set or set of circumstances are they saying that without Danny Stewart the Coventry Blaze wouldn't be expected to play um, if his car broke down on the way to a game, would the game be called off because Danny Stewart wasn't there? Um, I, I realise I'm I'm throwing up apple and oranges. And I'm trying to compare the two of them. It, it's not that simple, but it seems like an odd one when Dops can contact a team on the morning before a game and say, by the way, this guy's banned. He, he can't mm-hmm. play tonight. Surely it's yeah. one rule for the coaches and the same rule for the players. Um, it's it's just a very odd one. It's another one where there's a lack of uh, transparency. Yet again, we're told that uh, there was a fine attributed. How much was it? Was it twenty p? Was it twenty quid? Um, like what was it? What does the fine go towards? Um, again, same same issues that I've had all season with Dops. Um, yet again, throw their hat or throw their head up uh, when it comes to a decision made by hockey ops. Yep, yep. Dave, um, you know, in terms of, you know, obviously the, the, the league clearly felt that they that the reputation was at stake or, or something was at here if they didn't do something to, you know, about obviously what had happened with with Stuart. Um, you know, obviously the foul mouth rant which was witnessed by fans and then obviously following that obviously the, the, the hand gesture that was as as we mentioned, um, you know, I mean, your, your thoughts on this? I mean it was a it was a very hot topic at the time on social media. Yeah, it seemed to um, go from not to 100 very, very quickly. Um, 
yeah, okay, people were offended. Um, yeah, he's, you know, family sport, fine by stuff, fair enough, it's deserves something. Um, the problem they have is that they don't have, like, a code of conduct for the league, for record. Uh, just with what grind just bring in this repute if that's what they're going down that's really severe um, if that's what they're going down that's like proper, proper suspension territory like you know telling someone to leave you know you're bringing the league into dispute that's proper harsh um, what they need to do is um, create a code of ethics that they all stand by same as the NHL. The NHL have have this in place, you know, uh, and and then they have to all agree to hold that level. And then if it breaches, then they can say you've breached the code of ethics, and you have this is there's going to be levels of you know fines, suspensions, very transparent things, you know, because that means that we don't have this ambiguity of you know, you know, he did this, um, he made the gesture, he was also foul mouthed, you know, should he got two, two different separate, there are two different instances, should he have got a fine for one and a, a ban for the other or a ban for both or you know there's there's things here and because there's not this um laid out there are still things that you could uh, call on this like the um whenever when a, in the, the play, so you have there is the rule for if a, a coach goes to the bench he gets banned for a game if and that's meant to be, and we've seen that with Coventry this season already. Uh, was it was it Coventry where the fellow left to fight, then got banned for a whole rake of games? Nearly certain it was Coventry. Probably wrong. I'm going to get sued. Uh, allegedly. Uh, <laughs> but that is really tangible. You can, you know, that's to do with the game. If they're going down this route, they have to be out in front of this. They should have been in front of this early. Um, you know, the idea of uh, you know being a family sport and, and all that just isn't a new thing. Uh, if they're going to hold coach, coaches to that as a league, then they really need to get together and actually create a code of ethics. On the other side, the, there's nothing stopping the club themselves standing in here and doing stuff that impacts the club in a negative way. Yes, I know they're not going to want to lose points. They're not going to, you know, Want to do anything like that there, but they can find their own coach mm. for bringing their own club in the dispute. Never mind a uh, league. To me, it seems that the league probably should have pushed Coventry to do something rather than stepping in themselves because they have nice. Basically, this is nice set a precedent where if something similar happens, um, if there's a maybe not the gesture because it to me seems a bit of a weird one the how it came about. But and who it was aimed at, and, and all that there, but being that the nature of being just foul mouth near fans, you know, just uh, what, see this is know? this is this is my thing. This is the other thing. So reading more behind this whole incident, this was what Danny Stewart did is is twofold. Okay, and when I say what Danny Stewart did is I'm not throwing him down the river here. Uh, this is a, a high pressure sporting environment and things happen and things get said and I think that needs to be put to one side what he did on the bench needs to be taken uh, in one way now admittedly things got more heated because 
um, there was someone there with a camera and between the benches or behind one of the benches or whatever and was able to take um, video footage of it. What happened down the tunnel, I don't doubt happens in 10 arenas around the Elite League. I don't doubt that it happens in the NIHL and I don't doubt that it happens at rec hockey. Um, mm-hmm. The biggest problem that was created by all this is the fact that the, the person who, who wrote this story uh, that we're, we're reading from in the Sheffield Star, uh, Bob Westerdale, was in the tunnel and ha- took a video. From what, I, from what I understand, now hopefully I've got this right, but he was in a position where he was in at the ice end of that tunnel and he was able to take photos, take video footage, um, and then that was put out into the public domain. Now, let's be perfectly honest, media have a role in this as well, and that's a, that's a very clear decision to make that public, um, to take something which was done down the tunnel in uh, an area of privilege for players and staff uh, that fans don't get to. Now, I accept that there was, as part of the story, there was a family of, um, ch- including children, that were in earshot of this the best part of it is that it's come out that uh, the fan wasn't bothered in the slightest with what they heard or couldn't hear uh, or whatever. They, it didn't really affect their night. They, they didn't care. The fact that this was put into the public domain then made it a bigger story. And yeah. that in itself isn't wrong. I'm not saying that that's wrong, but there has to be a professional judgment of what do I put into the public domain? What is actually in the, the interest of fans? The code of ethics. Yes. And what, what is, I mean, that's, that's going to impact on the professionals within the team. It's not going to impact yeah. on oh, no. media coverage. You can, and you can look, indeed. Let's look at Belfast. Look at Belfast just yesterday. Um, look at the, the reaction online from a couple of people in particular because um, you had a journalist with uh, a, a Belfast rag who decided to effectively announce a player signing, which we're going to talk about in a second, before the team had the opportunity. And you had... An individual, I, I, I suppose it doesn't really matter if we out who it was, um, but Taff on Twitter, had a go. It's... it's on Twitter, it's in the public domain. Taff yeah. had a go at him and said, surely this is for the team to announce before you do it. And I, I think rightly everyone got on the back of this journalist. And it's hilarious that when you look at the likes of podcasts that are out there, as opposed to the traditional print media, uh, which... Bob Westerdale, the Sheffield Star, the Belfast Telegraph, Adam McHenry, they're all part of that um, traditional media. And consistently, they're making decisions that aren't theirs to make, really, yeah. by putting the stuff out there. And I totally accept that there is another school of thought in there that anything to do with the sport is in public interest. That's that's their job. They're, they're literally doing their job by doing mm. this. But I think sometimes you are in a position of privilege. Uh, teams don't have to give you access to... Um, players and for interviews and give you access to ice level um, certainly we don't get all that all the time um, we we have to go out of our way to ask for that we're, we're not traditional media we're just th- four guys who like to come onto a, a podcast and talk about hockey and look we've been given our opportunities as well and I would never be in a position where I think I would do what these two guys have done uh, to put that out yeah. there that's, that's a position of privilege and I think that has to be taken taken on board but, but again, question. with, the story, with the story that we're talking about, with the story that we're talking about, what was done on the bench, completely separate, and I think it's only right that Danny Stewart has to answer for that. Yeah, no, I would agree. Oh, yeah, I'm um, not saying he shouldn't have to answer for it. I think the problem is that the league have now made a marker that they are going to step in when 
coaches do something on the bench that they don't like and there isn't a set of guidelines to manage that. Yeah, no, I, w- you know, I would agree. At what point yeah. do you, you know, what point do you draw the line? What we'll well, you know, who decides how offensive a jitter is? Who it offends? How it offends them? Because to be offended is a very objectionable piece. I understand, you know, racist and uh, elements which are beyond offence. They're uh, criminal in all essences. Uh, but, you know, there is um, certain gestures that could be made that technically aren't criminal. Technically, you're just causing offence. If someone was to say, give the finger. You know, technically, there's nothing illegal. It's offensive, yeah. Um, I think it's an ill-considered move by Danny, what he did on the bench. And if I'm perfectly honest, I think I defend the, him. I'm, I'm just one saying that, that I think on the bench is the only thing that Danny has to question has has to answer for. And I think the league has has dealt with that. I think as much as I don't agree with what was done and how it was handled by the league specifically, I think that's done and that's that's a way. What happens down the tunnel? That's something else entirely. Yeah. Uh, now, look, I'm not a player. I'm I'm not someone who's been on the bench before. Uh, I'm just from a fan's perspective. If I was in their position, that's where I would want the line drawn. Yeah. Is once I'm off the bench, that's where you stop it. I but think we'll leave that. I think we'll leave that story there, and we'll 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 move on to um, our next story, which probably caused just as much controversy uh, on social media. We'll get stuck into that one next. Next topic of conversation, as I say, was quite heated as well on social media, and that was the um, news since our last podcast recording that the playoff finals weekend tickets went on sale. Uh, they were announced on Friday the 25th of February and they were uh, released for sale on Monday the 28th of February at 9am. So the Premier Sport League playoffs uh, this year um, will take will be uh, over the cross will be taking place in Nottingham as normal in the Motor Point Arena and this year will take place between the 30th of April and the 1st of May. Uh, the Premier Sports playoff final weekend will feature the two finals on Saturday followed by the third and fourth game on Sunday and the playoff final itself, the final game of the season on the Sunday afternoon. Um, the reason why, I suppose, a couple of different things have obviously happened over the last few weeks. Um, obviously, COVID has had a, an impact on the playoffs. COVID has had an impact on the league itself. Um, so the first thing that obviously happened with the playoffs was the playoffs were shifted by a week. They were moved back an extra week. So now they're being played over the bank holiday weekend in May. Um, and they also then after that, then that was renowned the ticket prices were agreed by the uh, 10 teams. Um, majority of the teams, apart from, I think, three teams, if, I, if I've got this correct, three teams were selling their own tickets. That was the Cardiff Devils, the Sheffield Steelers, and someone, correct me, with the last one, was it Glasgow, or was it one of the Scottish teams were selling theirs, or was it Guildford was selling? I can't remember. No, Fife, um, Fife are Coventry. selling theirs directly. Is it, oh, Fife are as well. So there's four, four teams selling... Yep, the four teams selling theirs directly and the rest are just getting them, purchasing from the the website from the Nottingham Panthers. Now, two of those teams, we'll go into that in a second, but... So the, let's go for the prices first, and this is what's caused a bit of a bit of conversation. Well, not even a bit of conversation; it was quite a lot of conversation. The weekend pass this year, which will is valid for the Saturday and Sunday and all games, is priced at one hundred and ten pounds plus the five pound arena fee. So in total, it'll be one hundred and fifteen pounds. Um, the five pound arena fee will cover both the booking fee and the facilities fee, which is now charged as well. Uh, the as, as we mentioned, the Cardiff Devils, Coventry Blaze, Fife Flyers and Sheffield will sell their own tickets directly to their fans. Um, 
what should be noted was the Sheffield Steelers and the Cardiff Devils originally. Now, I think maybe they removed this after a bit of complaint, but they did initially say that there's going to be an extra £5 charge on top of that, meaning that Sheffield and Cardiff fans had to pay £120 rather than £115 in total. Um, I suppose a lot of people are... Well, uh, what I first thing I will say is the first thing I seen was obviously um, families, and and I suppose this is this is um, this is the first argument that was that was put up, and the first argument that was cl- it's clear and it's understandable. And and Dave, as a parent, um, you can maybe you know kind of give your thoughts on this too. I mean, the in previous seasons they had uh, a ticket price structure or ticket price tier tier price for for the for the tickets which meant that uh, there was concession tickets for kids and also for uh, old age pensioners and if you're in benefits and all that sort of stuff so that that meant that the ticket prices were lower um, so there's a discount for children uh, and then obviously then the regular adult tickets for the full weekend um, but I think I've seen the comparison where it was like 85 pounds the last playoffs which were held in 2019 now rather than yeah it would have been 2019 yep. yeah um, they were 85 pounds per head um, so we are obviously we are three years on from from those last prices and we probably would have imagined they would have the prices may have increased you know from you know each year um you know and the actually no the play, the prices the 85 pound was actually for the 2020 playoffs because we had we were originally going to go and that was the tickets before that one um so i guess it's a bit of a jump from 85 pounds in 2020 to the 115 now at this point um and obviously then with the the other teams then adding on that additional five pounds so i think a lot of the arguments were for families families saying that it's priced them out completely you know if you have two adults two kids or two adults and even one kid for the for the fact that it's going to cost the amount of money it's going to cost for the tickets alone and for the full weekend um which let's be realistic it's three games not not four games because nobody's interested in that three and four third and fourth place game um so you're playing it was someone worked out it was like something like was it 35 or 38 pounds per competitive I've got, I've game got it here so it's it's you've got 38, it 38 pounds 33 uh for three competitive games of hockey now if you include the the third fourth place game it comes to 28.75 to watch three competitive games and one game where around about 30 to 35 grown men try not to vomit on the ice uh before <laughs> the the statement final uh yeah. trophy game so yep like i don't know do you do you want me just to go from there Take it away. I mean, I, I mean, the other thing I was just going to mention before you, you know, we, we, we go into it as well is like obviously what I was was going to mention was obviously these prices are um, have you know these these are raised prices, quite high prices, and then we move from these high prices into a point where you also have to take into consideration as we mentioned the, the change of date. So you have people who had to shift their hotels to a, a more expensive time because it's over bank holiday weekend. People had to move their their trains from um, you know Scotland down or buses whatever that was that that may have increased. Uh, fans from Belfast Giants obviously had to reschedule their flights again, incurring more costs as had to change their flights to a bank holiday weekend. So I mean, it's it's a massive a massive cost, and you can see why people were just saying I feel like I've been priced out for you know out of this weekend, and it's something I won't be doing. Uh, so John, by all means, go what, with what you were going to say. Yeah, I mean. Look, it's it's all been said. It's it's pricing your bread and butter hockey fans out of playoffs. And look, I'm of the I'm of the camp where I really do. I would love to be going, but there's too much for me on this year. I'm clearly not going to go to playoffs, um, especially considering it's within a few weeks of uh, potentially my my firstborn arriving. Uh, if I disappeared off for a weekend, it would cause a lot more problems than just the money for me. Um, but your bread and butter families of one or two parents plus a couple of kids, there's absolutely no way that I don't think anyone, and Dave, when you come to chat about it, you'll probably confirm it, 
if you've got any kid between the ages of five and nine that you're going to take to the ice hockey, they're only they've only got a limited attention span unless they are right into the game, unless they're already playing the game effectively at juniors. You're you're asking someone to spend nearly forty quid to a ticket to a seat that the kid is. You're probably going to bring uh, an iPad or something for them anyway. Um, we see it at the Giants, and admittedly, that's a fifteen to twenty pound ticket to pay forty quid for competitive hockey as an adult. If I lived in Nottingham, yes, don't get me wrong, I I might spend forty quid to go. But there's the other problem: there's no day tickets anymore. So you pay for the full weekend or you pay for nothing. Um, you can't then wait to, even as a local, if the Panthers get through, the number of times that locals wait to see if the Panthers are going to make it through to the grand final and then buy their tickets. That's not going to happen this year because you can't buy. And now I say it's not going to happen this year. If there's empty seats, you can guarantee that it will happen because they'll want to fill those seats and they'll say, oh, 25 quid, come in and watch the grand final. We want to fill out the seats because it's going to be live on Premier Sports. And the last thing they want is the grand final. The cap on the end of the season is covered in empty seats. And the people that you feel sorry for in this are actually the sponsors. Mm. Because Premier Sports have put in money into this league this season. Into a league which, let's be honest, if what's what we've heard is to be believed, was potentially on its last legs with COVID. Like, I think we're lucky that Premier Sports came in. We're lucky that we've had the one or two games broadcast um, per month. But we're lucky to have their money. And without that, we probably wouldn't have a full 10-team league. They're the ones who are potentially going to miss out. Now, let alone the rest of the fans. Like, There's loads of fans who are going to miss out because of this. Um, but even if I didn't have other stuff going on, there's absolutely no chance that with that increase in price and the fact that there's no, no concession rates, no not even a student rate, no child rate, no senior citizen discount, nothing. It's £115 to watch three games, four games, let's call it, or nothing. Like It's it's mental. And I said on Twitter, one of the first things, as soon as these prices were put out, I'm glad I haven't used my free month in Premier yet. Mm, true. Uh, Dave, you know, we obviously we've alluded to it and we'll get your thoughts on it. You know, obviously the we've talked about the, the family aspect of this, you know, in terms of, you know, the family costs and stuff. I mean, it's expensive. Mm-hmm. Well, so the the main reason for the tiered ticket, ticketing is, as John said, it's to fill the seats. It's to ensure we have the fans. Um, because if you allow, if you offer a half price ticket for a child, maybe the another adult goes. You know, we're not bringing in. You're not saying, "Oh, I can't go because I have to. I have to. I've got the boys tonight." You can you can go. Oh, I'll bring them along. You know, so it brings people out who who might not necessarily be there. And that goes for the playoffs. You know, if you can take your uh, entire family for a long weekend, uh, watch some hockey, then you can go. But like for myself, if I had, if I was um, wanting to go really at this point, I would want me and Gemma to go. And obviously, we're not going to just find a childminder for the couple of weeks. So we'd want to bring the the boys too. And there is no mission that I would be paying one hundred and ten pounds for the boys to sit and play on their iPad for for three three games mm-hmm. um you know it's uh it, it's it seems a bit excessive um especially when you see things like the continental cup um whenever those teams go away that do bundle tickets for 
geez, I don't know, nearly uh, a weekend for the price of one game for some of these, you know, and it's not, yes, okay, you do, they do need to make money from it. It's the, the final big hurrah, but, you know, there's a there's an element there. If they'd done a, a adult ticket for 100 quid and they'd done a child's ticket for, I don't know, 70, there's a psychological thing there where you're going, oh, sure, it's, it's 100 quid. You still see it cheaper, over but I'm still not spending 70 quid to take a kid to to ice hockey to fill a seat that they're not going to be interested in what's in front of them. To yeah. me, it's a complete and utter own goal by the league. And you just have to look at the social media response every time. Now, the 10 teams in the league are clearly pushing these tickets because they're being told they have to. You, you look on Twitter, you look on Facebook, and the teams are still pushing these tickets probably once or twice a week at the minute. Every single time, there is one or two comments. Uh, now, it's not like they're getting the 40 or 50 comments under it like they did the first time this came out, but there's still the one or two comments going, nope, won't be there, not a chance. It's it's really looking like this could be a very, very empty NI or Motor Point Arena in Nottingham for playoffs, and that's that's a real shame. Now, the last thing that you want now, with people, some people will have paid this, some people will have already bought their tickets, what you don't want is the league knee-jerking and making another decision to cut ticket prices or introduce concessions because then they're in a sticky position of they've sold to some at one rate, now they're going to be left selling to others at another rate. So what's what's yep. the right decision? Do they take the hit and have empty seats or do they run the risk of alienating the fans who've already paid this excessive fee as far as we're concerned for the fact of trying to fill seats? Yeah. I mean, last thing I'll just say on this before we move on to our next story is that um, I, I feel that, you know, if people are people on Facebook and, tw- and, and and Twitter and all the social media sites, as you say, John, I mean, they're still, as you say, whenever a post goes up, they do still comment and say, this is too expensive, I'm not going to be going, not going to be going. But there's a lot of people I've been talking to who are still going, who are paying, who are still going to it. And the fact of the matter is... There's only going to be ever the elite league's only ever going to notice it if there's if 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 the footfall shows that the fact that fans aren't are displeased about the whole thing. But the concern would be that actually it just means that other fans who have have tried to go in previous years who haven't been able to because people got in there and got tickets before them actually are going to be able to get tickets this year that they haven't been able to get before and therefore it still looks like it's pretty full and therefore they're happy because this the elite league will just say well people still bought the tickets although i will notice i will say that there was a comment made today and it was it was a good comment someone someone obviously had done a bit of research and a bit of homework on this um but the elite league put up a a, a post saying you know uh was was it, it said something like um playoff tickets uh on sale now currently selling well or something or it said something like um currently selling well or it was some comment like that and someone underneath went um when you're saying selling well if we look at the a week after they went and released previous years they were sold out so selling well compared to sold out that that was going to be my point i i didn't know what you were going to say there but yeah i mean we've seen playoffs sell out within two or three days that's clearly not the case now this is what i said that the league have backed themselves into a corner now at this point and Let's see where it goes. Um, sorry, but I'll be quite happy watching it on TV from home. Yeah, I can't see any change. Um, guys, I'm going to move us on um, to our next story. Uh, John, and I think the next story is yours. Yep, um, so this was just a quick one. I mentioned it a second ago when we were talking about journalists, uh, but this was the news that uh, Patrick Mullen is back with the Belfast Giants. We obviously got a bit of a tease last week. Um, the the lads at A View From The Bridge put uh, a little post up, which... Now looking back on it, it was clearly a bit of uh, a bit of gamesmanship from the team. Um, tweet went up, tweet was taken down. 
um, which was, I mean, I said to you guys at the time, I was like, that is clearly Blair Riley. I remembered the, the PR photo, it was him on the ice, and I remember going, that's that's definitely Blair Riley. Uh, there was this weekend past the games at Guildford, the, the team did all their post-game interviews in front of uh, Blair's poster that's in the, the tunnel, the player tunnel. Uh, but this was all misdirection, and uh, the the return of Patrick Mullen was announced by the team just yesterday. Um, so his first uh, spell with the team was cut short due to COVID. He was obviously here during the 1920 uh, shortened season. Uh, didn't get to finish off, but the, the D-man will be back. Um, and we say D-man, but we've seen him score some absolute worldy goals as well. Uh, one comes to mind of a, a game against a certain Sheffield Steelers team where he went coast to coast uh, and put a, a goal very, very nicely uh, between the, the posts. No better weekend for him to come back if he does end up hitting the ice uh, this weekend for us. Uh, but yeah, there we go. Patrick Mullen back in teal. What's your thoughts? Um, it was obviously deadline day this past week um, for the Elite League. Um, so players were, um, players had to be announced. Um, obviously, four signings. Um, I think it was Tuesday, was it? Tuesday the first. It was deadline day. Um, so it was actually last week. Um, and the, obviously, this, this, the, the Giants did make the signing and held off on, on the announcement until yesterday. Uh, we also did see, obviously, the, the, the Steelers added um, forward um, as well on deadline day. Austrian forward Nico Feldner. Um, obviously to booster their um, their the forward lines leading up to the last few games of the season too. So you know Sheffield bringing a forward, we bringing a defenseman in order to combat that, that forward. Maybe yeah, um, it's great to see him back. Good solid defenseman. That's what you want to see. Um, and again, a fresh body to have on the ice, ready to go. I think it's I think it's a great move. Definitely. Yeah, totally agree. I think the and it's the in my opinion at this stage of a season. When you look at the top goal scorers and see so many Belfast Giants at the top, um, the logical sense go, means go for a demon. Um, and I think it was a, a great pickup, uh, and Patrick was amazing for us uh, in that season cut short. Definitely, 100%. Um, I, I would agree with you, Dave. Um, as you say, um you know, that's uh, perfect. That's a perfect way to put it. I didn't even think of that in terms of like you know you have, you know we're 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 leading in forwards. You know we're doing well there already with our goals goals. You know our goal, goal, goal average. So, yeah, bring in the defenseman. Um, a lot yeah, goal against a goal against isn't bad either. Like, have you noticed? I don't know if this is um, official yet, but the press release suggests his number. What number is it? Not going to be the same as last time. Looks like fourteen. <laughs> so, much in the the case of uh, Jordan Smotherman. Want ahead, Paddy Mullen, number fourteen. <laughs> Go Does good. He <laughs> um, what 13 13 14 15 competitive games maybe we could maybe get a good deal on that yeah. <laughs> maybe potentially um the other ones of note as well i think um just to kind of you know mention some of the other teams who moved um f- with some other for uh, signings for the um for for before the 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 deadline day um Coventry Blaze obviously as well bringing in a forward in the form of um Connor Chulloch from University of Regina um and I think um let me just check and see I think there was one more um let me just oh, I had it written down Fife Glasgow transfer Did f- yes oh yeah there was a weird yep. a very unusual a- Fife and yeah, the Colton Waltz was this the Colton Waltz yeah. one where he was released from Five Flyers and then the next day he was signed for the Glasgow Clan not even or within the next day, not, not even the next day was it the same, same was it within hours yeah same hours within hours minutes so the Flyers put out a statement saying he's gone there'll be no other statement on the matter and I think within <laughs> I love that twenty way minutes. Flyers, 
think within 20 minutes, uh, the clan had him announced. Uh, We're not talking to you about it anymore. (laughs) Pretty much. Um, yeah, it was an interesting one. Um, it's there was, a, it was a, it's a past story now, but there was an interesting one. I was telling John, I was saying about John about this one as well. Where Glasgow and Fife, there was a whole or Glasgow was it Glasgow or was it who had a a, a local young player? Um, no, it was Fife. Oh, I can't remember. I, I don't matter. It's just, I it's think a, it's I a think past I story. I can't, remember, I can't remember the guy's name, but he was with uh, Glasgow. And he is now on a two-way with the Kestrels and the Flyers. Yep. Um, there was a whole uh, thing around. They were, with hold, name, they, were, they were holding his registration for the Elite, the Elite League as well, which was a bit of an odd one to do, but I think they must have released it if, they're, if he's going to play two-way. There's been a change, been yeah. a change and uh, whatever's happening now, he's on a, a two-way um, with the Kirkcaldy Kestrels and the Five Flyers. Yeah, um, so that's at least that's that's been resolved because that was a bit of a, a strange move um, that was done there, um, and I don't know why they were blocking it, but I guess it was so that they couldn't go to their nearest rivals within in Fife, I suppose. Um, I guess um, that's all. Uh, Reese Reese Cochran, that was his Reece name. Cochran. That's him. Um, that was it for the 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 um, the in terms of the transact uh, the the transactions, as I say, tra- transfers. Um, John, do you want to mention the last story? Just one last one. Uh, look, the reality is that we we only record once every two weeks, and they're for as big as the weekend ahead against the Sheffield Steelers is. There is another big game coming next week um, on the sixteenth, and the Belfast Giants will face the Cardiff Devils in the Challenge Cup final uh, here at home in the SSE Arena. Uh, guys, it's just to mention this. Things are shaping up quite nicely um we seem the giants seem to have had the number of the devils uh in the latter part of the season uh, as opposed to the early part of the season where the devils really seem to have our number um things shape up nicely do we expect things to stick to form or do we go in is this a is this a blank slate it's a one-off final uh, it's home advantage belfast for the first time in the challenge cup for a long time um Certainly the Devils will not arrive with a video package ready to go of uh, We Slay Giants. That kind of backfired on them last time. Um, what do you think, uh, Dave? Like, it's a, yeah, there's, it's a one-shot uh, final. There's a big thing there that, uh, you know, the sort of elephant in the room. Cardiff, I think, rested an awful lot of bodies on Wednesday, yesterday, uh, in that game against Dundee. I think they only turned up to Dundee with 13 skaters. Uh, hence the loss. But I mm-hmm. think that was to rest bodies yep. for this coming week. Um, you know, they're trying to make sure they have um, guys that were maybe on questionable injuries um, that they're going. I think they'll end up resting as many of them people, them boys, uh, uh, this weekend coming uh, as well to to come in as fresh as possible. They're looking at it now that this is probably their best chance of a major piece of silverware. The, the if you look at the league they are struggling and points wise they're starting to fall a bit adrift um this is a one-off game if they can rest the bodies come into that game fully healthy that could be a a, a game changer because we're not gonna the giants aren't going to take their foot off the gas because they need these games these weekends they, they see these two games against sheffield they're going to be battered and bruised um and they're going to have to take that through into a, a cup final midweek um so it's going to be tough Home advantage, though, 
it'll make it anybody's game. Um, you know, I can, you know, we can almost guarantee that the building will be bouncing. As much as everybody complained, had complained about midweek final, I don't think it stopped the locals from buying tickets. Let's, um, let's, let's be perfectly honest. Us. Let's be perfectly honest. It wasn't locals who were given off about the midweek final. So once the the date of the final was announced a couple of weeks back, um, it was very clear that the vocal opposition to it was the Cardiff side. Mm-hmm. Let's be perfectly honest. We have a public holiday here the next yep. day. Um, so uh, a Wednesday game on that weekend, which I mean, it's 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 opportunistic that it's fallen on that weekend um, because let's be perfectly honest we're big proponents here that the Challenge Cup is a, a tin pot trophy and it should be decided long before this stage of the season uh, I mean don't get me wrong if we win it I'll say it's the most important trophy of the entire, <laughs> entire year um, but um, it was very clearly the Cardiff fans were, were given off It's a, admittedly it's a couple of days off work for them but look guys it's a holiday in Belfast on Paddy's Day come on over and have the crack yeah. Like, what, are you, what are you complaining about? But Dave, yeah. you make a really good point actually. And I was while you were chatting away, I was hurriedly looking at the fixtures. Cardiff only have one game between yeah. now and the Challenge Cup final, which is against Coventry. Yeah. We, on the other hand, the Belfast Giants have three, three. games: yep. two against the Sheffield Steelers, which are going to be tough, tough games, and one away to Dundee, who have taken two massive results against the Sheffield Steelers uh, to put us into first place after this last weekend. We don't have an easy run into this final, Marty. No, we really don't. You're right. Um, and obviously, as we mentioned earlier, all at the, at the head of, at the head of the, the episode, we're talking about the fact that these games are important. You know, three points is three. Or sorry, three games is six points. Six points is needed. Six points is six points, and we want to keep that that lead going. Is there an argument you could have to say that obviously we're playing against Sheffield? If we take four points off Sheffield in the first two uh, two games, we take our foot off the gas a bit in that third game on Sunday. Do foot we? Do we not? Throat. Foot on throat. But do they decide to do that? You take those four points against Sheffield, the last thing you want to do is uh, lose two points in Dundee. And that's a good argument. You you get to the end of the season and lose by two points. It's not even that. Momentum is momentum. Like yeah, we, yeah. we, it's a, it's a tough weekend. It doesn't matter who you're playing. Three and three is a tough weekend. We want six points. We really need six points. But what you don't want to do is lose momentum and go in a couple of days later into a Challenge Cup final after a, a loss against Dundee um, where you you have lifted your foot off the gas and it doesn't go your way because guys are yeah. out with the, the winning mentality. Um, yeah. Foot on throw, I mean, six I mean, points the other thing- and a Challenge Cup trophy. I think the other, the other thing, the two important things also to talk about um, before we move on from this story, there's, there's two very key uh, elements that will play a massive part in this in this game um, on on Wednesday, you know, against Cardiff. You know, the first thing is obviously we, we talked about it already, midweek game, but we know already from looking at the seats, seat, seating charts and stuff in the arena, it is practically already a sellout. Um, I think it was the last I'd heard, there was around about less than 200 tickets left and those tickets were over in the West, oh, over in the West stand. In the way section, so again, we are we're it's, it's an amazing uh, amount of play, amount of fans that we're going to have in that in that in the arena on Wednesday night. The so second, the, the last most important part to think about, and we can't forget about, is the fact that you know if the Dell of Belfast City shows up, you know, on the night, <laughs> it's going to be a it's going to play a big part. So you know, we can only hope the Dell of Belfast City is fully charged and ready to go. <laughs> Not touching it. 
<laughs> not do you know what I'm not touching it not because I don't agree with you but if it goes the other way I don't want any recording of me saying it the other way around we'll just take your audio and use it against you uh, with that guys I think we'll move on we've got one I think we've got we do have a penalty box segment for the period one and we have one story to lead on so we'll move swiftly into our penalty box segment <laughs> Okay, our penalty box segment is just a cover a coverage of any uh, notable bands, hits, or uh, I guess any um, any and I suppose any um, actions of of note that have come from Dops, the player, the player uh, department of player safety. Um, we have uh, this is actually going back to a story we had previous podcast. Um, John, I'm going to switch over to you. This is the official statement made from the Blackburn Hawks following the massive um, bans that were we talked about um, in the previous uh, last week's in the last episode. Yep. So um, clearly, we we had a very very quick chat. We're again, we're the first ones to accept that uh, EIHA is well outside of our wheelhouse, uh, but we couldn't ignore these bands when they were handed out by the EIHA at the time. Uh, you had two players and a coach who were banned for multiple seasons. Uh, now the Blackburn Hawks have made an announcement that they went to the EIHA appeals panel. Uh, they have appealed the uh, multi-year bans that were handed out to Reese Kearney Witter, Callum Riddick and to coach Ollie Lomax. Uh, the result of that has been that all three have seen an 85% reduction in those bans. Uh, Reese Kearney Witter and Callum Riddick, the two players, will be ineligible to play for the remainder of this season, but will be eligible to register as players for the 2022-23 season. Uh, so effectively, they are sitting out the rest of this season. Uh, coach Ollie Lomax, uh, who it seemed like had taken the, the harshest of all these decisions with a, a multi-year ban on coaching at any level, uh, he has also seen an 85% reduction in his uh, suspension. Uh, he is uh, ineligible to coach for the remainder of this season at any level, but will be eligible to register as a coach for, similarly to the players, the 2022-23 season. Um, the, the club makes statement that they've learned lessons from the process, including the importance of setting a good example for younger fans, junior players and with appreciating that they have a duty of care to protect the welfare and safety of players and the honour and respect within the game so that they have accepted uh, and been contritional it seems through the the actions and we, we went through it in detail before go back and, and listen to the last episode where we talked a little bit about it um, again I would say very clearly if you want an in-depth analysis of this uh, there's two prime places to head uh, is the 4,000 and counting guys and very, very specifically the uh, banners on the wall. Um, they they will have much more in-depth chat about it. Uh, and what I see as being the, the biggest takeaway from all this is that while these bans have been reduced, which seems to be the right decision, um, there is still a problem with the transparency of the decisions because as far as I could tell, the only um, statement on these reductions has come from the Blackburn Hawks. The EIHA themselves haven't actually come out and said what's actually happening they've left it to the team to announce which isn't just the best way um and i think for as much moaning as we do about dops let's be honest there's probably the same thing that you could have with the um the relevant section over in the eiha as well guys i don't know if you want to chime in on this or uh, if it's worthwhile just 
pushing on from here. I I think you're right. I think that's yeah, it's a just a, a good roundup of, of kind of where the things stand. And I don't think there's any more. I think you've you've mentioned it well. You've got two other good great sources of information out there. Um, so definitely go uh, over to those two those two sources and and give it a little bit more of a listen for a bit more information. Okay, guys. Um, with that, then that will take us to the end of our period one, and we will move swiftly on to our period two of hockey. Hello and uh, welcome to period two. Um, this is where we'll talk about hooky, hooky. I don't know where they came from. Hockey from all around the world. <laughs> Belfast Giants on the brain. You're just thinking about Lewis Hooking this weekend. Uh, yeah, that's it. That's it. We have um, knocky news and we have hooky news now. Uh, <laughs> hooky news. Yeah, I don't know where that came from. Uh, <laughs> Get the t-shirts um, printed. <laughs> um, yeah, so we'll talk about hockey from all around the the world in this uh, segment, um, and we have. A few ones that are obviously um, pretty topical and newsworthy, um, which we'll cover in a second. I'm going to take mine first because it's a nice story, and we'll start with a nice one. And I'm hoping there's another nice one in there. Good, you're you're going to let nice your period there. just do this, Dave. Yeah, like, no, there's one more. Then... There's another nice one there as well. Uh, one of yours, John, that could is technically lighthearted. Um, so we'll do. We'll start with mine, um, which is the retirement of um, Mickey Goivu's uh, number for the Minnesota Wild. Similar sort of situation to Pecorini, um First proper retirement of a number uh, in franchise history. Um, and it, re- in my opinion, couldn't go to a better, better player. Um, led the team as captain for eight years that could be a bit too many a number of years <laughs> and, uh, that's that in-depth analysis you come to for us that's, that's exactly it um but was probably for his run with the wild one of the best power forwards in the nhl um filling a role that was sorely missed uh, in the the wild's early history um they had uh, the wild's early history they obviously had a lot of um, extreme talent and guys like um, your fella um, name escapes me um, but they were able to score goals but they didn't have any depth they didn't have any uh, any sort of uh, defensive depth through the entire team and Mickey Koivu was the start of that um, and has really set a, a marker for captains for the Wild uh, ever since uh, and this will be his his retirement of his jersey this weekend on Sunday. Um, awesome. So that, there's nothing really to talk about there. Um, so number nine will be retired um, uh, and be hung in the rafters um, forevermore. Hang on, I've got, hang on, hang on. Two seconds, where is it? <laughs> I've got a stick somewhere, hang on. It's got a stick. Ow. <laughs> this is great. Marion Gabrick. Can't find it. That was the. I, had a, I have a mini. I have a. I had a mini hockey stick somewhere, and now I can't find it. It was sitting somewhere. Uh, I don't know. I re- anyway, I remembered the person I was wanting to talk about. Marion Gabbert was the player. We had that skilled type of player at the start of this. He was our one of our first um, big signings um, in the opening year. So, but yes, definitely. Um, I think that we talked about it before. Um, the the way the NHL treats retirement of numbers is done properly. You know, that's taken ten years to find one. The uh, Nashville was what 11, 12 years. Yep. So you know that's there's proper thought in that um, to make those decisions. So, yeah, big shout out. I'm sure he's listening. <laughs> 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 um, so 
We're, we'll move on to the less, the more topical, less cheery topics. Um, we will go to Marty for some um, Russian uh, European hockey news. Um, yeah. Uh, if you want to make a run for it, I've also put another tag on piece that John has moved out of hockey news that is related. So, okay. If you want yep. to start with yours, I'll have mine. Yeah. Of course. Um, so obviously, um, we we know obviously with with what the current situation um, that's going on at the moment in the uh, in Ukraine uh, with Russia uh, invading the Ukraine um, and the devastation that's being caused there. Um, obviously, the reaction across the world um, is a lot of condemnation against Russia and the Russian. Um, you know the the. the I suppose the Putin's decisions to to do what he did, and um, as part of that, uh, not only has there been um, obviously um, governments um, doing their things in terms of um, shutting down um, money and stuff movement and all that kind of things, but a lot of the big uh, a big I suppose um, big companies, organisations, as well as brands as well, have all started pulling out of Russia and putting in place um, restrictions as well. And the NHL, similar to other um, leagues across across the um, the world, so the likes of the Olympic Committee as well were a part of this. We had the likes of the um, the um, FIFA as well as play, play a part of uh, their part in this too as well. And different bits and pieces are going on. They have put in uh, information. Or the NHL have ordered all clubs to cease contact with the Continental Hockey League over uh, the Ukraine invasion. So any dealings between the NHL and the Continental Hockey League, so the KHL, has ceased, has been suspended. Uh, the NHL did tell its teams to cease any contact and any contact with their counterparts and any Russian-based agents um, as part of the suspension of. Uh, movement within the league um, they will commu- continue this as long as they need to um, it's obviously difficult for any Eastern European players who are playing in the NHL particularly for any Russian players as well who want to move to the NHL there's going to be a lot of different issues there around not being able to move and kind of those kind of bits and pieces that are happening in terms of um, the usual yearly um uh, scouting that they would do for um, potential players and stuff for things like the draft and everything else so that will obviously all be impacted as well by this move that has been made uh, also announced this week was the NHL has suspended its relationship with its business partners in Russia as well as the any social social media and digital media sites and as well as that all broadcasting agreements have been completely terminated as of uh, this week too um, so no longer any games being shown across in Russia um, or uh, ad revenue and everything else as well has been um, completely taken away too. Um, we don't know um, what that's worth or, or what that high high impact that will have. But again, it's just another organisation, the NHL, a big organisation, showing its support and its condemnation, um, similar to others. Um, on top of that as well, I know there's another bit of a story that's put in here. I'm just going to continue with it if that's okay. I think maybe yep, John, did you put this in? Um, the two teams pulling out. Or this is Dave's story. The two teams pulling out of the KHL. Yeah, um, two teams did pull out of the KHL to protest against the Russian invasion as well. Um, the oh, why did you have to give me such hard names to pronounce? The uh, Joker, I, I know them. I know them. the Jukrit Joker, the Helsinki uh, pulled out of the 2021-2022 uh, Continental Hockey League playoffs on fr- this past Friday. Um, so they finished their regular season uh, season season with the I second best record. <laughs> it was <laughs> second best record in the Western Conference, um, and they wore slid to play Spartak um, in the seventh seed beginning on. March 1st but they have pulled out uh, Finland uh, Helsinki is obviously from Finland's capital city um, and they will continue um, its season um, season wouldn't be possible obviously because of that the other team then uh, was the where is the second team so Latvian team Dynamo Riga 
Dynamo Riga then is the second team also then similar uh, announcement put out to say that they made a decision to withdraw from the KHL um, again expressing a clear position of the club's management in such a military and humanitarian crisis we do not see any opportunity for comp- uh, cooperation within the Continental Hockey League so again we've got another um, another team pulling out there of the KHL as part of um, their, their their defiance against what has happened as well in, the, um, in, in Russia Probably also worthwhile mentioning that uh, just after the last recording as well that the IIHF uh, came out and have also suspended all Russian and Belarusian national and club teams from IIHF competition until further notice. Uh, so this was in stripped them of the accreditation, didn't they? Yep. So this was in direct response to a letter which was signed by multiple uh, national bodies, which included Ice Hockey UK. Uh, who were co-signed to uh, a letter to the IIHF requesting, uh, or sorry, not requesting, demanding uh, that Russia and Belarus be uh, stripped of any IIHF accreditation uh, as well. So they, uh, nationally, they they will not uh, compete. And uh, whilst the Olympics are are already finished, um, the Paralympics are ongoing. Uh, And while clearly we, we don't cover all the Paralympics, uh, there would have been Paralympic um, sled hockey um, would have been there and Russia uh, initially uh, were going to follow the same sort of rules as they have because of their anti-doping history um, they they were to be allowed to fly under the Olympic flag but since then the uh, International Paralympic Committee also made the decision to uh, bar all Belarusian and Russian athletes from competing at the Paralympics so they will not be there or competing for medals at all yeah um, my story obviously um, uh, obviously leads in a bit I think to your story John as well but one last bit that I was going to talk about which I think does actually cover you come into yours and I'll maybe I know, pass it over to you is obviously with the, with the whole NHL stance around you know their stance against Russia and, and, and what the moves they've made it's obviously put um, one of the key players one of the biggest named players I suppose in the NHL um, uh, um, Ovechkin um, it's obviously put him in a place where um, obviously media have been targeted him for his comments and his um, beliefs in terms of what he thinks in terms of um, obviously the the invasion that's currently going on. Um, it's a very sensitive issue, obviously, as we know, because obviously um, there's some talk around you know how safe his family is and stuff in Russia, and then there's a couple of other bits and pieces. But there's been a non-committal comments and stuff, I suppose, from Alivetkin. But I think that does come into under your story, does it? Yeah, so much in a similar vein, because Alex hasn't really come out and spoken against the situation that's going on in Ukraine. Uh, NHL uh, Hall of Famer Dominic Hasek decided to uh, come out very publicly uh, last week um, or sorry on the 26th of February sorry just at the start of the Russian invasion of Ukraine uh, and called out Ovechkin for um, any neutral observations or lack of statement that he had made Uh, I won't repeat the comment uh, or the the name that Hasek called Ovechkin uh, because we like to think that we're still a family uh, sort of orientated podcast Um, but since then nothing nothing came Uh, there's still been no definitive statement from Alex Ovechkin for or against or whatever um, however you like it but um, he is a, a major voice. He's a major international sportsman, and it's you would expect him to say something. He hasn't, and Dominic Hasek has come back again and has demanded that the NHL uh, suspend all Russian players immediately. Um, it's some see where he's coming from. Others are making Marty the the point that you've made that 
maybe these guys can't make a statement because of the position that they're being put in. Um, Hasek has um, since then uh, put a statement out for all Russian players in the NHL. He said that I'd prefer to suspend you because by performing on the ice you are also advertising your country and its actions, war, against the sovereign democratic country of Ukraine and its people to whom you are causing terrible suffering. However, the NHL has a different view at the moment. If you are not indifferent to the fact that the army of your country kills hundreds or thousands of people in Ukraine every day, I will ask you to show it and officially donate every dollar from your contract to humanitarian aid to the Ukrainian people. Um, so Dominic Hasek, I think this is a tough one, guys. I, I think he's saying what a lot of people want to hear. Let's not for a minute suggest that any of these Russian players are going to have a, a massive impact. But we're seeing here in the UK, we're seeing the impact on sport just today uh, that the situation in Ukraine is having on other sports. You've got football, the Chelsea situation. Uh, with Roman Abramovich being um, subjected to uh, sanctions today with the club effectively being stripped from him while he was trying to sell it. Um, does Hasek have a point, Marty? I mean, uh, again, I suppose it's a massive difference. Uh, you're just feeding back to that thing you were talking about, the Chelsea thing. I mean, I was I was quite surprised because I read the story today about the Chelsea and uh, about the Chelsea situation and actually they've been stopped from even being able to sell any for any tickets moving forward. They're not going to sell any tickets for any merch. remaining home games. Not going to sell any merch. Have to close their store. Yeah, I, I suppose it's linked in. All the profits so. go straight in. So yeah, I see what you mean. In some ways, what he's saying, I, I get what he's saying and, and, and by by the NHL allowing the, the Russian players to keep continue playing, um, it's, it's making a statement to say that the well, it's not making a statement at all. It doesn't say that they're condoning it or anything, because obviously the directions that they're taking in terms of um, suspending and, and also terminating contracts and stuff with everything that's going on is showing that the NHL has a stance on this matter. I think the difficulty does come into the fact that, like as you as, as we were kind of saying, uh, you know, shoot, it's it's difficult. I I I think you know the Russian players who are playing in the NHL. As we mentioned, as I already mentioned, we've got big names like Ovechkin, and I'm, I'm sorry to go back to keep going back to Ovechkin, but he is a big name, big player, and he also is probably one of the biggest Russian stars, I suppose. Um, you know, in 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 the world, in terms of you know a professional sportsman, in terms of you know what he does. So again, should they all be paying exactly all their money? No, but should they? And again, it's a difficult situation. I said it already, and it is a difficult situation. We've seen what's happening in in Russia itself to the people. You know, there's been thousands of people. I mean, thousands upon thousands of ordinary people in Russia who are being detained and held for their political views in the fact that they don't agree with what's going on. And if you have a view that goes against what is being said in Russia you know you're 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 being detained and, and and you can be held in 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 prison for up to 15 days initially and then after that up to 5 years i mean yeah it's an, they're they're in a difficult position yeah they are certainly um, to bring it back to the the hockey element i mean clearly ovi is a he's a massive character he is now a, a subject of some media controversy because of everything that's going on Another guy that we're going to talk about in the next period, Yarmer Jagr. Um, he, Alex Ovechkin, just um, a day ago, tied Jagr for uh, goals, third most goals in all time, with 766 goals. Now, Jagr then tweeted about this since, because Ovechkin actually missed, in the same game, missed a shot where he could have leapfrogged him and gone into third in all time. Um, Jagr clearly has a, a 
a position on this uh, whole situation in Ukraine, which we're going to talk about in the next period. But he's still engaging with, with Ovi. He, he's making a point there to, through all this, still be conversing with this guy and concentrating on the game. Dave, is it important for them to actually concentrate in the game rather than anything else? Or does the political side trump what's going on on the ice? Yeah, so definitely at the minute, we're still at the, the point where, yeah, these guys are, are hired. They're not owners. They're not... They're not bringing money from... No, it's not the same as the oligarchs. They're not bringing technically ill-gotten gains from one country to another to then buy things. He's getting his money from playing in the US, being uh, an NHL player, and he's plying his trade in America, and he has done for decades. Well, a decade. A, a um, decade. Yeah, a decade. And he, you know, I think at this stage, yes, 100%, it's all... He just needs to focus on the sport. The problem comes in is when the, what we were chatting before the podcast is that there is on the horizon the chance that the US will strip any Russian uh, worker of their visa, um, in which case the likes of Alex Ovechkin will not be able to play in the NHL because the government has made a statement. And um, now we were talking, there's probably, he's probably naturalized, probably counts as a US citizen, but they may ask him to denounce his Russian citizenship, um, which will go down like a lead balloon. Um, so there's, that is something to bear in mind. Yes, 100% right now, he has to focus on, on hockey, do what he's paid for. And I understand that there's, uh, if he speaks out, he puts his family at risk. Um, but there may come a point where he, is forced to choose, um, you know, and and, and it may, the choice may be made for him by the US government. Yeah, it's difficult. Just uh, one last thing before we move on, I guess, um, just to kind of come back, just to kind of what you're saying there as well. I mean, we're, we're, it, it is difficult. It's complicated because we do have the legislation that's going on in Russia. That if Russia passes, it means that obviously people are will will finish will will face up to fifteen years in prison, no matter what. They'll they'll try and get them, you know, for that, no matter whatever they return. So I mean, people are wanting to return to their hometown, their their home in Russia at some point when they retire. It's going to make it more difficult for them. But you've got like the likes of last year where you had. Um, Panarin from the New York Rangers who um, faced a lot of intimidation after he came out in support for um, a long-term critic of Putin. You know, he was, he's, um, you know, not, I suppose his stance is that he's, he's, he's anti-Putin and he came under fire for that for obviously being a Russian that's had that stance. Um, what was interesting as well, which I read this week um, from, was from, a, um, from an NHL agent called Dan Milston, who was born in the Ukraine and has a number of clients who are Russian and Belarusian players, um, obviously his player as his um, things. And what he is saying is that the, the, the comments that was being made um, you know, the comments that had been made towards these players, the Russian and Belarusian players, he feels from, a, from speaking from a Ukrainian point of view, he knows his home is being bombed, and you know he's speaking to friends back home. But he still believes, and knowing the people he's working with, that that the people are picking on the wrong crowd. The people are picking on the wrong thing in terms of what they're focusing on. People should be focusing on what the matter is. And yes, these people. I guess, I guess what he's saying is, and from a Ukrainian point of view, and from being a person from Ukraine, he he is agree, he's in agreement that his clients who are Russian and Belarusian are in a very very difficult position and a difficult place because he knows um, how much how dangerous it is for their lives to to mention and become critical of um, a full organi- a full government, um, a dictator, pretty much, you know. So, yeah, tough. 
just uh, added there very quickly, just before we move off this topic and on to something a bit more cheery. Has anybody seen Alex Ovechkin's Instagram? Not, not since the war over or something, or no war or something comment? Uh, no, it's him and Putin. Oh. Recently, or? No, currently. Oh, sorry, yes, so his, uh, his, his, profile. Uh, his profile photo is still him and old Vlad. I so, the you know, there could be an element that uh, maybe something a little bit more neutral might work. Well, no, look, look, this, the, the, the relationship between Alex and uh, Putin is well known. Uh, let's we should have put that straight up um, at the very very top of this. They are friends. Um, they are. They spend a lot of time together when when Ovi is over in Russia. Um, and look, Ovi has made no secret of the fact that he is a proud Russian. Um, he has gone over and above the NHL with the Olympic band before and has gone to um, represent his country. Um, he is a he is a proud Russian himself. But like it's like Marty said, and like other people have said, he's now in a very difficult position. Um, he will have his close held beliefs, and those are for him to to make right with. Those are for his team to make right with. Uh, as well um, and you feel like a decision is, is quickly coming and whether it's made by him or whether it's made for him we, we just don't know so we'll, we'll move off those cheery notes um, <laughs> John you can have your, your one that might lighten our day a wee bit yeah lighten the day a little bit here uh, in the middle of the podcast doesn't feel like it's the middle it feels like it should be the end of the podcast but uh, never mind um Phil Kessel had himself a, a bit of a night uh, recently there last week. Um, if anyone doesn't know, um, Phil Kessel is currently in the middle of a uh, fairly serious uh, Ironman challenge. Um, he has gone, I don't know how many games now, um, 956 consecutive NHL games without missing uh, a single game. Things got a little bit more complicated for him uh, this last week because his wife was expecting uh, a child um, and was expecting a child on the day that uh, the Arizona Coyotes were playing the Detroit Red Wings. So to make sure that he didn't snap his Ironman run, the, the Yotes um, in Detroit uh, let him play the first shift of the game where, amazingly, he got a, a shot on goal as well. He... Came off the ice on a line change, straight down the tunnel, and got on a chartered flight that uh, the Yotes had sitting on the tarmac for him to get him home in time for the birth of his child. Surely uh, that shouldn't so, be. I mean, sure, surely that shouldn't have been counted. That's not fair. He was on the ice. He's on the game sheet. He played. He played minutes on the ice, or a minute, ninety seconds, maybe, um, and. Yeah, the Iron Man streak continues. Now, he's still got a few to hit um, Keith Yandel, who is currently sitting at 977 consecutive games. And I believe, is there someone else that he is just behind as well? Doug Jarvis um, sits at 964 games. Um, so he is sitting third place, um, I think, in all time as far as Iron Man streaks yeah, um, are concerned. Um, so I mean that's that that's mental. But you, I mean this is the sort of thing you you love to absolutely see. I mean this is if if there was going to be anything that was going to snap an Ironman streak, it's going to be the birth of a child. Like totally, yeah. anyone could totally understand that. Clearly, this means a lot to um, 
well, I mean, to anyone who's doing it, but clearly it means a lot to Kessel. He he wants to maintain this run, and the team gave him the option. They've look, the team have taken a hit on that because they're they're putting him on the ice, they're putting him on the team sheet. They're down a guy as soon as he's played his first shift. They're playing the rest of the, the game mm-hmm. without a guy on their on their bench. So fair play to them for for letting that happen yeah. and, and going ahead with that. Totally, but, yeah, totally. That's amazing. Can't pay their rent, but they can pay for a charter flight for. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, they can't wait to see. I wonder. I wonder, if they could, wonder if they could afford that when they're in their new five and a half thousand seater uh, arena on a university campus next season. <laughs> Uh, awesome that was a, a nice one to end a bit better than the previous thing so we will I have no penalty box is that right awesome no no penalty awesome. box um, I think we can move on to period three period three then is our general knocky news. news knocky news is where we throw up anything and everything else in the world of hockey that we think needs a little bit of a mention um, guys I'm going to go quickly uh, and go on to this whole sort of vein of conversation that we've had through period two uh, we're, we're going to concentrate on the, the hockey community's response to the situation in Ukraine and guys I mentioned just quickly a second ago um, about Yarmer Jagger having a, a very clear position on uh, the situation Marty, um, you you spotted this one. Jagger is taking, I mean, measures into his own hands. Yeah, I mean, it's, this is this is one of the the, the I suppose that one of the the bigger of the stories. Obviously, there's a number of different uh, local teams and a number of teams right across the world who are doing their part, which we'll talk about briefly in a few minutes as well. Uh, but obviously, uh, Yammer Jaeger, uh, obviously everybody knows him really well. Third leading goal scorer in NHL history. Um, he owns a team in the Czech um, Czech Extra Liga uh, in Czech Republic. Um, he has helped raise over £160,000 this past Tuesday for refugees from Ukraine who fled um, to the Czech Republic. Uh, the money was raised through ticket sales uh, for a regular season f- uh, final game uh, which was moved to the O2 Arena in Prague to draw in more people um, so they drew in a crowd of around 14,512 into the 18,000 seat arena with others buying virtual seats as well so making it an eventual sellout uh, both the game um, also at as well before the game a video of the NHL commissioner Gary Bateman had also pledged his support for Jaeger and the cause that he was doing within the arena and the NHL announced that it was donating 68,000 in honour of Jaeger's number 68 shirt uh, to the fundraising effort uh, the 68 thousand was part of the hundred and sixty thousand overall total and we should say it's dollars as well um great gesture i think it was a great um it just shows the hockey hockey world obviously putting their support and putting their full support into what's going on um in whatever ways they can um obviously if we look locally um you know um every all teams across and in, in, i suppose some teams in the elite league doing their parts as well some small bits and pieces of people are doing we've seen the this past weekend and the weekend before we've seen the scottish teams um forfeit the traditional um traditional national anthem there in Scotland um, and instead changing it over to the Ukrainian national anthem and playing that at the start of each game. Um, so again, little small gestures, but again, worth noting. Um, we also have the Nottingham Panthers this week who have announced a... Um, 
they put an announcement to say the Nanian Panther stand with the rest of the world in being appalled at the current events taking place in the Ukraine. It's important for us to show our support for the people of the Ukraine whilst helping in our own small way in whatever way we can. In order for to do this, we have come up with the following ways to show our support and raise some much needed funds. We have worked with our jersey supplier and ice hockey locker, uh, ice, lo- ice locker to produce a Ukrainian themed jersey available for fans to purchase with all profits going to the Association of Ukrainians in Great Britain. Um, we're raffling off the full set of game worn black jerseys from the 2021-2022 season and again all profits will go to the Association of Ukrainians in Great Britain and we'll be looking at the possibility of holding a supplies collection at games against the Sheffield Steelers on March 19th um, the, obviously the fans are taking part in this initiative and there is a, a, a the jersey is um, available to see if you haven't seen it and it is just the Ukrainian flag which looks pretty well um, if I do say so myself so stick tap to the Nottingham Panthers for doing that too uh, we should also note in the uh, NI AHL, um, the uh, a very, I suppose, um, well-known team for the Elite League fans, um, and that is the Basingstoke Bison, um, announcing their fundraiser as well for the people of the Ukraine. Um, the Basingstoke Bison are saddened, obviously, by the shocking events and atrocities that are happening in Ukraine. And on the evening of the 19th of March, the Bison family will proudly show off their support for the people of the Ukraine, uh, wearing um, dedicated jerseys as well, one-off special jerseys in the Ukrainian colours to show the support. Uh, the jerseys then will be worn on the Saturday game at the home game versus Peterborough Panthers, Pan- uh, Pan- and then um, a special range of merchandise and pucks and stuff will be on sale. The shirt off the back prize um, and the jerseys themselves um, uh, will be presented on the ice, and also then obviously the money for this will be going towards um, obviously Disaster Emergency Committee Ukraine appeal as well. Um, the manufacturers also should say um, who have manufactured the jerseys are also making a donation as well for that um, and again their jerseys um, they have shown a picture of their jersey too and again no surprise it is in the Ukrainian colours of blue and yellow and again it looks really well um, so again just a small roundup of some of the things that are happening um, some of the little bits of support that are from fans and I think you, another one you in can there, agree uh, Marty, well. oh did you I didn't see that one let me just check Steelers that one sorry also. Sheffield yeah, Steelers too sorry yeah, so the Steelers this last weekend Yep, uh, Sheffield Steelers two, too. Two special jerseys. So I think they wore warm up um, yellow and blue jerseys. Apologies, um, yep. But then um, during the game against the Dundee Stars, I can show you just here uh, for anyone watching on YouTube, they had uh, a special logo on the front of their jersey uh, with the Steelers uh, logo coloured in blue and yellow. We'll, uh, we'll throw up links to the uh, photos and things of that onto the website as well. But uh, yeah. Well, well done to to those guys for doing that as well. The uh, they will be roughly not. Uh, was it the past week? This past weekend, or is it this coming up weekend? This, think oh, this last week this past weekend yeah because we're playing us this weekend Duh. yeah so this past Saturday the Sheffield Steelers did raffle off 20 warm up and 20 game worn shirts um, and all proceeds were donated to the association again the same association that Nottingham have passed on to the Association of Ukrainians in Great Britain um, so again sorry for missing out the Sheffield one there it was it, it just it wasn't by, it wasn't on purpose it was um, by accident I just didn't see it um, but again uh, great bits of news and bits of stories that are coming out of just support that people are showing yep definitely um, guys, uh, we'll leave that to one side. Obviously, we've done quite a lot of chat about this, and no doubt there'll be more chat uh, in following podcasts as we we go on. But uh, like we've said, well done to everyone for uh, all the efforts that they're making uh, as things go on. But guys, let's get back into our sort of wheelhouse here. And um, Marty, you you had noticed these, and I had kind of picked up on them before. This is we love a jersey here, uh, and we like a, we like a different jersey too. We we like when th- people. 
maybe step out of their comfort zone a little bit and do something a bit different. But uh, it was a little bit awkward when uh, Glasgow announced uh, last week that they'd be wearing um, special uh, jerseys. And I think we all thought the same thing. They did better on their one-offs than they did with the rebrand. Um, so these were <laughs> special... Um, jerseys for now let me get this right for the ronald mcdonald house charity um where they took clangus probably aside from finn uh probably the the best known and most loved mascot in the elite league um and put some awesome multicolored hair on him and put him slap bang in the middle in not a small logo a, a good size logo uh on their uh on their jersey guys this is a cracking jersey it is yeah, I love the jersey. I I just think the that that Hamish is it Hamish? Is that what they call him? Hamish? Clangus. No, no that's Clangus, Sorry, you just that's you just Ember. said a Scottish um, name. I mean, that Clangus. Might be, that's what, that might be the most racially the lad, insensitive the guy in thing I've no, ever said Ember. on this podcast. The, yeah, the guy the guy in the suit. Yeah, you're right. That's exactly where I came from. Clang, the the Clangus on the front. The just the color. Oh, it's just everything about it. I just it just jumped out at me. I really loved it. And I know you guys weren't so sure about the rest of the design, the dark navy and whatever else. But I like the color. The, the color. Um, you know, the colors going right around through the, the back. Color contrast. The color contrast is great. And I love the little even the little um horns on the back of the shirt as well just up or above the names as well i think it's really class little touch as well um i just i think these jerseys were brilliant it definitely Dave, looks better than thoughts? um was well, who's uh, uh oh, mel gibson mel gibson on the front of their current jerseys yeah yeah i think if i had a choice between uh clangus and uh, mel gibson i would go with clangus every single time and twice on um so, uh, guys, that rounds off period three. We we will throw up the link for uh, people to have a look at those uh, one-off clan jerseys as well. Um, this brings us very uh, nicely on to um, the star segment. So the star segment is where we get the chance to highlight someone or something that we think needs a, a bit of a special mention. Uh, right, so I have to throw my hands up yet again uh, and say this was not on my radar. As soon as we finished recording two weeks ago, I completely, once again, forgot about the star competition, as I always do. Um, Mark, really sorry. I'd still, I want to know the background as to why you were so keen to vote on this one in particular. It seems like an odd one for you to get um, really emotional about, but uh, the nominations from the last podcast, uh, there was only two of them. It was a battle of the netminders. Um, I went for Pecarini, and Aaron went with Belfast Giants' own Jackson Whistle. Uh, the result being that uh, Aaron and Jackson Whistle have taken the victory with 64% of the vote. Um, Marty, I see that you have a, a comment uh, that you, yep. you are to read out on behalf of Mark. Yes, so you were saying you want to know the reason why he was so adamant about it. I will read Just out his exact I read his exact statement on why. Um, so he wanted to say, um, Hi Marty, for the star segment, just wanted to mention to say thank you to John for putting up the poll for a change. Uh, really didn't want to... <laughs> <laughs> really we're going to have words this weekend. We're going to have words. Really didn't want to miss out on the chance to vote for Peke um, as a way of thanking him for deflecting Patrick Honquist's um, behind-the-net shot from his own net for Pittsburgh in 2017, allowing him to win the cup. <laughs> so that's the reason why, because he voted for Peke Rene as well. Um, so yes, he did. <laughs> that's the exact reason. He also has nominated. He also put nomination in. Um, but I feel like I want to say this nomination after you've put your star segment nomination in because uh, who you've nominated um, and this person is—it's an interesting contrast. So you go for yours first 
Right, so um, guys, there's only one nomination sitting on the board. Obviously, we've got another one from Mark. But um, guys, given everything that has happened over the last two weeks, um, if you've in any way been watching the news or um, keeping an eye on on events, I've come away from hockey for this one, um, and I've gone for uh, the Ukrainian president, uh, Vladimir Zelensky. Guys, I continue to be incredibly amazed by this guy's fortitude in the face of what he's facing. Um, the fact that this last week alone, apparently, he has survived three separate assassination, assassination attempts, attempts yeah. and yet continues to be an absolute badass <laughs> in front of what would appear to be this oncoming storm from Russia. Um, and let alone, one of the key facts that came out, or one of my, my favourite facts, everyone knows that he was a comedian who played the president who then stood for election and became the president i mean that in itself is is incredible it's it's quite a story and there's now a wartime president my favorite little snippet that came out the, through everything was did you know that not only was he a comedian but he was also a voice actor and he is the ukrainian voice of paddington bear now oh. that alone <laughs> to me that's that's a star nomination right there. But like all joking aside, for everything that's going on right now, my nomination is Vladimir Zelensky. His okay. uh, life story could make um, a fantastic movie. Uh, not even just his current life story, his family's. Um, he's his grandfather was the only sur surviving member of his family during the Nazi uh, occupation of the Ukraine. And um, he's a Jew, growing up under the Soviet Union. Um, uh, you know, for not one small part is his entire family had to go through a lot to get where they are. He's having obviously go through a lot right now, um, and he's showing some more fortitude than any uh, leader currently um, in the world, and uh, is um, is just one unbelievable person. Um, yeah. Every time you see him talk, um, he's doing it with such composure, with such uh, immense pressure all around him. And also with so much passion as well for his country, mm -hmm. so you have to say that. Absolutely. Yeah. So Marty, you, you said that Mark has a nomination as well. Yeah, um, so whenever you're putting this poll up, it'll be an interesting one. It'll be, uh, it'll be Zelensky versus uh, John Ford. Uh, so, uh, let, me, let me explain <laughs> oh, <what>? why. <laughs> <laughs> let, me, let me explain why. Um, so Mark wanted to say, in order to make up for my comments to John, I do want to nominate him as my star for this week. Uh, I usually ignore the interval entertainment of the Belfast Giants games to head to the bar, but this past week I just had to stay and cheer him on as he was picked to shoot uh, as a shootout skills. He had me on the edge of my seat. <laughs> Like your hockey skills your, your hockey skills were obviously uh, noted on that night uh, for anybody who doesn't know our own John Ford uh, took part in the uh, shootout challenge that happens on the uh, period one break uh, within the Belfast Giants where you shoot the, the number of pucks towards the goal to try and get them through the what is the, the what's the company it's the computer repair it's, isn't it the yeah it's the refurbish yeah. it's refurbish me or something they're Refurb called I don't know I wasn't, given, yeah. I wasn't given a pre-match briefing <laughs> um, uh, so I yeah, was, look, I was I was two for ten. And, two goals. Uh, the guy that I was against, not for ten. So big goose egg. Uh, look, yeah, yeah, smashed it. So I did. <laughs> so I'm still, this... I'm still waiting. I'm still waiting for my invite to round two. Uh, however, I am get starting to get worried because there are only a few more weekends. 
and I I am missing um, a couple of them. So I, I really hope that uh, I don't have to sort of withdraw and give the my opposition a, a buy through to the next round. Can, can one of us not stand in for you? I mean, I might have to leave my driving license with you, but I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, so this week's uh, sorry John I know this is you, what you usually say but I'm just going to say this week's star segment um, the poll will go up whenever it does go up will be uh, up John Ford decide it goes up John Ford's uh, nomination of Zelensky versus uh, the fans vote of the hockey player John Ford so <laughs> interesting one <laughs> yeah, no, no, no matter what no matter what I win yeah. <laughs> true oh that's a good point um guys with that um that takes us to the end of our star segment and we have no overtime segment this week we've nothing else to put in and not only do we not have any overtime segment but because aaron is not here this week we do not have any abcs of hockey either um so that takes us to the end of our show um so let's end the show as we normally do and just uh kind of uh, give a call out to you guys you know get involved give us a shout get in for um you know, get involved with the chat, send us your questions, send us your ideas, your stories. Uh, you can catch up with us on social media at Door14Hockey on uh, Instagram, Twitter and Facebook. Um, check out our previous episodes. Um, all the content from this episode as well will go onto our website at Door14Hockey.com um, where you can uh, look back at some of the old episodes as well as I say, um, all of those stories we mentioned and those uh, images of those jerseys and stuff we will put up on our website. Um, if you haven't done so already, um, give us a follow or subscription on your uh, podcast player of choice um, hit that like button um, give us a rating if you can um, and even leave a comment if you feel uh, anyway Spotify obliged to do so comments. Spotify have added comments there you go add on a comment to Spotify as we are on Spotify as well um, with that that takes us to the end of this week's show we are looking forward to this coming up weekend double header against the Sheffield Steelers let's hope the Giants can pull those games and get those points those important points but more importantly we are looking forward Forward to midweek. Uh, we are looking forward to March 16th, SSA Arena Challenge Cup final. Very limited tickets left. If you haven't got your ticket, try and see if you can get one. Come along. It's going to be a great, great night of hockey. It's a Challenge Cup final. It's going to be immense. Um, so you have to be there. With that, we will sign off for this week. I'm Marty. I'm Dave. I'm John. Come on, Giants. Have a great week.